one of those magazine columns where people write in for advice, like on etiquette or behavior or whatever. Here's, here's the question. A couple recently moved to our town and invited us to dinner. They cooked a delicious meal, and we brought wine and bread. Afterward, they casually said they would Venmo us for the groceries they'd bought. We felt this was unfair as it was not discussed beforehand. How do we handle this awkward situation? Wow. So you got done with the meal and they and they're basically saying, so that steak was that cost us twenty five dollars. And uh the corn was about a buck fifty, so you owe us twenty seven throws thirty cents. Has How that ever inviting happened? them for dinner? Has that ever happened ever? What? Yeah, the whoever this columnist has responded was, Did this couple move to your town from a different planet? <laughs> Wow. That is wild. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you, you invite somebody to dinner. At the end of the meal, you, tell, you owe me 57 bucks for the food I just... Well, I wouldn't have had another roll. I, I wouldn't have had that piece of pie for, without asking you how much. You kind of insisted I had a slice of pie. I wasn't even hungry. I was trying to be polite. What do you mean it wasn't free refills? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Shouldn't you tell me that? Uh, it's Coming up, Sweden's crown jewels have been stolen. Stay oh. with us. So this is absolutely hilarious. You social justice warriors twisting yourselves into knots, inserting your heads in your own hineys as far as possible, and then apologizing for it. Out it comes. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. This is from our friends at uh, uh, Reason. Uh, The Nation, the far-left magazine, The Nation. The nation's poetry editors have added a lengthy apology, which I'll click on in a moment or two. To the a sh- poetry editors? Yes, have added a lengthy apology to a short poem published in its pages a week ago. The poem, quote, contains disparaging and ableist language that has given offense and caused harm to members of several communities, for which they are very, very sorry indeed. Indeed, the apology is longer than the poem itself. The poem's author... Anders Carlson Wee has apologized as well. Quote, I am listening closely, and I am reflecting deeply. The fact that I did not foresee this reading and the harm it could cause is humbling and eye-opening. The first reply to that post is a user complaining that the term eye-opening is ableist as well and really discriminatory against blind people. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! And then Reason makes the point, and it's a good one. shoving religion down your throat by yelling, oh, my God. This user does not appear to be a parody account, but the fact that it's quite difficult to tell is sort of the point. Um, So... The guy who writes this article says it's not my favorite. opening fi- is ableist. That's correct. That's correct. Wow. I wouldn't call it my favorite poem ever, but it's clearly not trying to communicate anything nefarious. It, uh, I call it reading out, or I read it as calling out the hypocrisy of people who claim to care about the poor, the homeless, the disabled, then don't do anything meaningful to help them. One of the lines is, it's about who they believe they is. You hardly even there. And then he was criticized for seemingly appropriating the voice of a homeless person, possibly a person of color, even though he's a white person. And again, he's had to apologize for his apology because he used the term eye-opening. Instead of saying, well, I guess my poetry is not for you or ah, shut up or go F yourself, all three of those perfectly reasonable responses, I think. He went ahead and apologized and and seems to be actually bothered that he was blind to this. 
Sorry, blind is probably a term you're not supposed to use. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You implied the sightless are somehow lacking in insight? You are so ableist. Here's a bit of the poem for you. If you got... if That's right. If you got HIV, say AIDS. If you a girl, say you're pregnant. Nobody going to lower themselves to listen for the kick. People passing fast. Splay your legs. Cock a knee funny. It's the littlest shames they're likely to comprehend. Don't say homeless. They know you is. What they don't know is what opens a wallet. What stops them from counting what they drop. If you're young, say younger. Old, say older. If you're crippled, don't flaunt it. Let them think they're good enough Christians to notice. Don't say you pray. Say you sin. It's about who they believe they is. You hardly even there. I get it. That's good. That's scathing. But he's had to apologize, and the editors have at length. As poetry editors, we hold ourselves responsible for the ways in which the work we select is received. Um, you do? Uh, I'd like to stop you right there. (laughs) Uh, We make this statement about the poem below, which contains disparaging and ableist language that has given offense and caused harm to members of several communities. We made a serious mistake by choosing to publish the poem, How To. We are sorry for the pain we have caused to the many communities affected by this poem. I I think maybe I'd edit that as a a former editor myself to say, I'd like to apologize for the fake pain we've caused so many communities who spend their entire day anxious to pretend they're the victim of something. I just did a status check of those communities. They're fine. (laughs) They're okay. They they are exactly as they were before this was published. (laughs) Well, it's probably accurate. If If I might continue... Because you're implying that they're okay because they're the way they were, and that's ableist. We recognize that we must now earn your trust back. Some of our readers have asked, what were we thinking? When we read the poem, we took it as a profane, over-the-top attack on the ways in which members of many groups are asked or required to perform the work of marginalization. We can no longer read the poem in that way. We are currently revising our process for solicited and unsolicited submissions. But more importantly, we are listening and we are working. We are grateful for the insightful critiques we have heard, but we know that the onus of change is on us, and we take that responsibility seriously. Well, that is something. There, there are some people out there really into the territory of uh, me- mentally ill. Right. Self-parody. They've made themselves crazy. Yeah, exactly. And again, the greatest writing on this, uh, Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Hyde, I suppose we could post that again. It's a big article that they had in The Atlantic where they talk about so many things that especially college kids are being encouraged to do right now are are mental illnesses. The smallest thing happens to you, you catastrophize it, you act like it's the worst thing ever. Like you found a poem, a, 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 a 12-line poem, mildly offensive. So you act as if it's devastated you. That's That's a mental illness, people who do that. That's dangerous. Well, and it will ruin your life. You'll actually ruin your life. You'll right. be miserable your entire life. Right. There's no healing from it. There's no coming back from it. It's called catastrophizing. Well, because That's you're one gonna of run, like six examples. Because you're going to run into stuff all day, every day. Oh, yeah. The rest of your life. You're just going to always be miserable. Right. Acting like everyone who says something that bothers you did so intentionally to hurt you, and they are guilty of that offense. That's paranoia. Well, the That's weird... Misunderstood. That is acting as if we all don't have imperfections and make mistakes. And that would be just a bad aren't idea. aware of everybody else's reality. That'd be a bad way to live. Most people I know who've got whatever challenge it is don't live that way. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've known a few blind people. I've known a few people with various situations. They, I don't, I've never known a blind person who spends all day long being hurt over someone saying, as you can see, 
he said, can see, as if everyone can see. I don't know anybody who's blind who, who actually acts that way. Oh, no, absolutely but not. what's weird here is it's people getting that hurt on behalf of other people who they think could get hurt. Oh, yeah. They're fine. That's what they and spend all case, day doing. Often, in case you're a white, affluent, <laughs> you know, everything's fine for you. Right. You're just enable. You're hurt on behalf of all the other people, which is very strange. Right, right. Well, ironic you should say that since they have uh, also decided that everyone's opinion should be passed through the filter of your color and your ethnicity, which is the most racist notion that exists on Earth. But they've done that in in the the, uh, guise of justice, which, again, is such an amazing act of cranial rectal insertion that uh, Cirque du Soleil performers are amazed at, at how far up there you're able to get. I congratulate you. I worked with a blind disc jockey once. Have I ever talked about that? I th- believe you have, yes. I worked at a radio station, and uh, he was the guy. He did the afternoon shift. This We played music. We were actual disc jockeys. And this was back in the old days with records, so we were actually yeah. jockeying discs. That's correct. Um, he was blind, and we put everything on uh, Braille. The uh, I, I typed out all the labels when they hired him. So for every record, I'd type out the name of the song, the name of the artist, and how many seconds you had to talk and put all the Braille things on there and everything, and all the commercials. And we put everything in a line in the studio so he could feel from one thing to another thing to another thing. But anyway, um, after doing that, it was simple. He And he pretended, he didn't, he didn't point out that he was blind. I mm-hmm. guess he was pretending he was sighted. But he'd talk about, well, it's a beautiful day today if it was sunny and 70 degrees. Well, I wonder if he feels get, beautiful on his skin. I'm I wonder, sure. wonder if he'd have gotten ripped apart in the modern era for for pretending he was sighted or something. If it, that would have been seen as not cool. Well, yeah. To not uh, well, regularly. Not him probably because he's a victim, um, which no blind person wants to be seen as, quote unquote. Um, he was really good, too. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I had a, uh, my next door neighbor was blind for, I guess we lived in the place about a year, um, at one point in Kansas, an absolutely lovely woman, in, incredibly sweet and helpful, but um, she would regularly ask um, if we'd seen the latest, uh, you know, episode of whatever show, or, or whatever, because um, she would, quote unquote, watch TV, she'd listen to it, and it was funny, and the rest of it, and so I, it took me like once or twice till I realized, well, that's the common parlance. And so sure. that's the way she asks it. And it's fine. She's a nice person. But if somebody overheard me in the modern era asking if she'd seen something, I'm sure the nation would print like a 20 page special edition <laughs> decrying what an ableist monster Joe Getty, <laughs> right. Armstrong and Getty right. shows. It's just you people are hilarious or you would be hilarious if you weren't so dangerous. You are whipping people into this incredible ill mental health. Well, and you spend time on things that aren't really problems, so you can't obviously spend that time on real problems, which there are plenty of. Right. Right. Yeah. It's so strange, though. I mean, it's just you can't make, you literally can't make this stuff up. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to create that craziness. That Mm. is so strange. Oh, no, no. I think it's too out there. People will never buy this. You know, if I was writing a screenplay or something. I think, nah, I would never get that this That you can't nuts. say it was an eye-opening experience? Wow. Right. Right. Wow. Immediately criticized. You you keep moving the line on how far you're willing to take this, you crazy people. Well, you got to keep uh, progressing. That's something. That's hilarious. It really is. I'm sorry. I'm back to thinking it's hilarious. It's bitterly hilarious. <laughs> the poor dopey poet who wrote, to me, a pretty effective poem. Now he's got to apologize. Now he's got to apologize for his apology. He's he got the editors shouting that it's a 
it was a sin and an outrage to even publish it in the first place. God, you people amuse me. He chose to apologize. Apologize. I wouldn't have. You know, deserves, you people are crazy. You know, deserves an apology. Swedish royalty, their crown jewels have been stolen. Oh yeah, that and hard hitting stories like some twin guys who married some twin girls. Um, uh, but uh, on a serious, more serious note, hopefully we'll have a journalist on more to talk about it. But major change in a policy in Afghanistan, we should uh, hip you to today, and then we can go in depth tomorrow. It's pretty oh, interesting. Oh yeah, and yet another Bay Area rapid transit story. We really ought to squeeze in if we can on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. That's a 24-year-old identical twins. Chrissy and Cassie, identical twin chicks. Mm. Zach and Nick, identical twin dudes. Mm. They went on first dates at the same time, became engaged at the same time, and are now getting married at the same time. And they live in Weirdsville, if you ask me. I mean, that's, uh, that's a little much. Just a little much. I wish them nothing but health and happiness, oh, yeah, sure. but that's a little wacky. Kind of makes sense, though, that if, um, if I'm your type and... You and I are identical. She would be your type. Oh, I guess. Um, is there any chance of maybe uh, wandering bedroom to bedroom? Switching it out now and then, a little yeah. spice things up. I mean, it could be. How would you even know? I mean, look, there are identical twins who, who, who play baseball, and the one throws more fastballs, the other more breaking stuff, if you know what I mean. So maybe you'd find the differences in technique. <laughs> The women aren't quite as identical just looking at them. The guys are pretty damned identical. Mm. I had a friend in high school. His sisters were identical twins, and he would have to walk around and get in front of them and look them over before he could tell which one was which. Wow, I mean, that's they saying were something. identical, identical. That is saying something. Yeah. I suppose as you got older, that'd be less likely because you're going to age differently. That is well known. Your lifestyle can change uh, within a range of about 15 years of how you look, how much sun you got. How much exercise you get, how you eat, all that sort of stuff. Sure, yeah. But as kids, you couldn't tell them apart. But one of them could be, you know, one of them tanned a lot, and you're all leathery, and the other one's not. Then you could tell them apart. For instance, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would have been able to handle having a twin. I would have been obsessed with which one of us is the real one. Well, I for one... Uh, <laughs> the real one. I for one still believe it's uh, it's uh, witchery. Twin, Identical twins? twins are, it's the work of the devil. Yeah. God, we work... What was that line from The Simpsons Flanders says about... Love you, Todd, even though you have the devil's curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> we worked with a guy who was a twin. They were not identical twins. What do you call the other kind? Fraternal twins. Um, and he was movie star handsome. And his brother was very average looking. Hmm. And they were twins. And That's I think that, that uh, I know that caused some stress of some sort. I don't know why. But God, getting would. your kids not to compare themselves with each other is so is a life's work. Yeah. You know, I yeah. try to c- convince them at least occasionally there are going on 8 billion people on earth. You start comparing yourself to one group or another, one individual or another, it'll make you crazy. Be you. Be happy. Be the best you you can be. Yeah, all right. <laughs> oh, man. 
Never ends. So uh, coming up, really a shocking piece of legislation working its way through corrupt California. And I want to talk about Afghanistan because we're going to do that yeah, story I'm not tomorrow. Sure. We don't have time for all okay. this stuff. We just we don't. Okay, well, we I, just don't. Maybe we should stay until 11. We, <clears throat> Police in Sweden have launched a manhunt after thieves swiped some of the country's crown jewels from a cathedral and escaped by speedboat. Here's, by speedboat? Wow, that's a cool movie sort of thing. Just like a Swede to allow their crown jewels to be ripped off. You ever seen the crown jewels of England? You can see them in the museum? Just on the television. There's something. No, I've never actually seen them. Tower London still? I think that's where it was. Yeah. Pretty sure that's where it was. Yeah. I'd like to. I never do anything interesting. Eh. Everybody has Looking a more on interesting TV life is, than me. Looking at it on TV is fine. Two priceless crowns and an orb belonging... <laughs> I'd love a good orb. I'll get the crowns. You get the orb. Uh, belonging... oh, why do I always have to carry the orb? I don't want to carry the orb. <laughs> belonging to a 17th century king and queen were taken around midday Tuesday at this uh, unpronounceable town near Stockholm. Uh, witnesses saw two men running from the cathedral. Here's what's quaint about this story. It was in a glass case, and there may have been an alarm, but... Wait a second. I they're got not a... really sure. I got a friend who's in Sweden for two weeks. That seems like a heck is he larcenous? Oh, I don't think so. Looks like an orb thief, though. Uh, the uh, crown jewels had uh, been kept in a locked and alarmed glass display case that the thieves have had to break into. Evidently, the church staff is just shaken. They cannot believe somebody would actually break the glass and take the crown jewels, um, which is really sweet and and innocent and mm-hmm. beautiful. But now Sweden has gone the way of you know most of the world and. Respect for the crown jewels of the 17th century somebody or other, and his oh Sweden's Charles the Ninth and Christina the Elder, and Christina with a K. Um, they just nobody would think well, who would steal it. You wouldn't do that. That's our heritage. That's yeah, too bad. So we're trying to get a correspondent on about this Afghanistan uh, change. We've got a change in policy, according to the New York Times. It hasn't been officially announced yet. Oh yeah, uh, change in tactic in which we're basically going to say to the Taliban. You can have the countryside, all right? It's yours. Stay out of the towns. And I guess that's going to be our policy. Well, and our high-level guys are meeting with Taliban leaders. By the way, just over one-quarter of Afghanistan's population lives in urban areas. Three-quarters of the the, the country lives in the uh, country area, and we're going to turn that over to the Taliban or whoever can control it. But we've, you know, we've been talking about this for 17 years. Is that possible? Yeah. Um, you know, various outposts were defending just out in the middle of a rock outcropping and standing there the machine guns, Marines trying to protect it from who for what? Boy, we've gotten a number of uh, emails from active duty guys as well uh, in the wake of one we read a few days ago talking about how there's zero Zero nationalism, zero identification as we want a strong Afghanistan out in those regions. There's none. Well, then we should have stopped this a long time ago. Yes. Which I've been saying for a long time. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, a judge in the Manafort trial warning attorneys, watch what you say. Mm. And Apple's hometown has made a decision on head taxes. Coming up. Wait, I have a head. (laughs) Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. this text we got two texts one is 
Uh, the Big Mac turned 50 this year, outliving most of its customers. <laughs> wow, hey, now, easy. We also got this text. If if you two had twins, I'd listen to their show instead of yours. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that means. That's my favorite text we've ever received. <laughs> Again, I don't know what it is, but it's vicious. Oh, God. Uh, news now, oh. Marshall Phillips. Well, i got to tell you, we've got smoky skies from southern Oregon on down. In northern California, the car fire near Redding. Still growing, just over 115,000 acres. It's bigger than Denver, Colorado, right now. Containment up to 30. Scott. Yes. Containment up to 35%. Something like 1,400 buildings destroyed. Well, and and it's all about where the containment is, too. And I understand that they're feeling a little better about the city of Reading. The city itself, yeah. yeah. And because of the Ferguson fire near Yosemite, parts of the National Park are going to stay closed now until at least August the 5th. Total. Total, total acreage, uh, 63,000. Shout out to all you guys and gals fighting the fires. Indeed. I mean, my God, we're all uh, appreciative. Well, I'll tell you, a lot of disappointed people from around the country and around the world. I had some friends who were going to come out and uh, camp in uh, Yosemite, and they uh, had to change everything around. Just too smoky, too dangerous. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You can stand there with some of the most uh, mind-blowing views that exist on the planet, and, and it looks like you're in the midst of a... A shower that's been left on too long. All yeah. you see is smoke. Yep. It's a little foggy. And, uh. You know, getting back to the previous tweet, Sean points out there's no reason to assume the twins would even have a radio show. Right. I mean, there's a, there are right. flaws in this entire... Yeah, they are their own people. <laughs> they might have pursued completed. other interests. Yeah. <laughs> Things that interest them, not Jack and Joe. Right. President Trump... But if you had a twin, I'd want them to listen instead of you. <laughs> wow. President Trump on another Twitter run this morning, and the mic. And among the targets he uh, he was uh, focusing on was the Paul Manafort case. He uh, used one of the tweets to distance himself from his former campaign manager on trial for money laundering and tax fraud, tweeting out, "Quote: Paul Manafort worked for Ronald Reagan, Bob Dole, and many other highly prominent, respected political leaders. He worked for me for a very short time." Why didn't the government tell me he was under investigation? These old charges have nothing to do with collusion. A hoax! Exclamation point. Donald Trump. Well, nobody was, was anybody bringing it up other than you. Um, uh, that's worth pointing out, though. He did. He did was involved in campaigns yes. for, for some heavyweights. He wasn't a complete crazy choice. Although with his most recent lifestyle, it was a pretty crazy choice. Uh, yeah, as an apologist for dictators. Yeah, uh, for, yeah. And, and, I wouldn't bring that person on. And an evader of taxes, etc. But that might not have been clear to Trump. What? Well, they. I heard a strategist say yesterday they brought him on because they thought there was going to be a brokered convention between him and Cruz and everything else. Yep. And Manafort's really good at working those levers. That's right. that's what they were preparing for. Um, because he gets pretty dirty politics, and that's what he's good at. During today's uh, session of the trial of Manafort's trial, the judge is telling prosecutors do not use the word oligarch to describe wealthy Ukrainians who paid millions to Manafort for his work as an international political consultant. What kind of rule is that? The judge says oligarch has a pejorative meaning and using it isn't relevant to the bank fraud and tax evasion charges against Manafort. The judge also cautioning lawyers for special counsel Robert Mueller that the term could imply that Manafort was associating with despicable despicable people and therefore guilty himself. Huh. In the judge's words, that's not the American way. Yeah, I get that. 
Yeah, the old guilt by association cliche. I'm looking for more details of Manafort's lifestyle, which sounds quite uh, quite appealing to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, me. yeah. Good idea, because I, uh, I heard a bit of a rundown on how much money he spent on suits and how many years and that sort of stuff. It's pretty entertaining. Well, and it was the number of bank accounts and the right. number of countries that amazed me. Um, I can't remember. It was, it was like 23 bank accounts in quite a few different countries. Everybody's making a great deal of his $15,000 ostrich jacket. Yes. How Maybe much? his ostrich was cold and he had to have the jacket the custom made. Or am I misunderstanding? I, I think you are. Um, <laughs> he bought more than $6 million worth of real estate for cash. Yep. That would indicate a good cash flow. Now let's take a look at the tax returns. And <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Apple's home city of Cupertino is, is punting on the uh, head tax idea on the November ballot. The city council... Voting four to nothing last night to wait until 2020 and take the time to create a more specific spending plan. The head tax would charge large companies like Apple a fee for each employee to raise money for traffic improvements and, quote, other public services. But Cupertino has decided perhaps we should wait and reconsider this. They are also making a big deal of Paul Manafort's $21,000 watch. I know moderately successful car dealers who have $21,000 watches. Not sure that's the greatest expenditure of your wealth, but no, do whatever but that's, you want. But that's, that's, that's not, not that astounding. No, the millions of dollars he spent on suits is really out there. I don't know anybody has ever done that. That's uh, that. Ooh, is it that much? i got to find that. Well, CBS. There's one clothing store here that says he spent 1.3 million dollars there. Wow! At this particular clothing store. Wow! That's that's a lot on clothes. While CBS honcho Les Moonves remains in his job at last check, many are wondering how long he's going to be staying there. This, as prosecutors in LA are confirming, they're not going to prosecute him on charges in a sexual abuse case there. An unnamed acquaintance of Moonves apparently wanted or went to the cops rather in February to tell him about three different incidents that happened in the 80s involving him. The 80s. Reason they're not going to pursue it? Well, statute of limitations. Run out of time to bring the charges. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation, and we do have the bird. The bird? That's a bald eagle, Squawky the Bald Eagle, who we keep chained in the studio. As a symbol of freedom. (laughs) And, uh, it's the national bird, Marshall. Yeah. It's not a bird or the bird. The bird. We got a text from an Afghan vet what, what his policy would be, having been around Afghanistan for a while. Let me take a guess. Yeah. We'll mail down how much Manafort's spent on suits. He had a suit made of ostrich? A, a jacket. A, a jacket. Okay. An ostrich coat. Yeah, I've got ostrich boots. i got a pair of ostrich golf shoes. There you go. Got them for like 66% off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never, ever pay retail. Well, that ostrich is not too happy about it. Huh? I didn't hear anything out of him. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't know. I don't 
So it came out that Paul Manafort spent $1.7 million with an automation lighting and entertainment company for his house. Wow. Uh, he had a uh, audio and video control installation for $5 million at oh, his home. Oh, man. I've, I've spent money on that sort of stuff. I can't even imagine how you would spend that much. I mean, unless you got like one of those 9,000 square foot houses on four acres and you have speakers everywhere or whatever. But This reminds me of like the Pablo Escobar stories where he would just give out suitcases of money to people because rats were eating it in his... Like he just had a too much <laughs> cash problem. Well, I think this is a little different in that, he, for instance, these various clothing stores where he... Uh, he spent $840,000 at this closing store over a couple of years, $400,000 at this clothing store over a couple of years. He, he, would, he would pay for this out of accounts overseas, ill-gotten money. Allegedly. And, and so basically he was getting this stuff at 50% off because he wasn't paying taxes on any of this money. Oh, right. Yeah. And the home improvements and stuff, he's probably thinking, well, you know, it'll be worth it as an improvement when I go to sell the house someday. I paid half of what it costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, basically getting the money back into this country. Right. So I think that's what he, what he was doing. Tax evasion is really what he's been up to. So Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, you can only launder so much cash in that way or you end up with, you know, millions of dollars worth of suits. But he had to fun. buy a lot of stuff. Yeah, he had to buy a lot of suits. He had multiple Range Rovers and a Mercedes and a couple of houses, and he just had to keep buying stuff. So mm. as opposed to, like, my too much cash thing, this was his way to pilfer value from his offshore accounts. Yeah, because he can't just bring it the wrong to word, a large but, extent. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't. It might have been illegal the way he got it, and then he certainly didn't want to pay the, the, the taxes on yeah. it to bring it in. Allegedly. Anyway, yeah. That's Jack, a separate story. in this country, we don't hang a man without a trial. Uh, the judge did say specifically that uh, having a, an exorbitant lifestyle is not a crime. Keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Mm. You do have to remind people, because a lot of people just get angry at the idea of that other people have a lot of ridiculous, to their mind, stuff. My maid and my stableman and my sleeve boy will be pleased to hear that. <laughs> um, we got this text from an Afghan vet. We're hopefully going to talk to a reporter tomorrow. Two things that have happened that I think go together. The Taliban claims that we're in negotiations with them. I don't think we've heard anything out of our end. Hmm. Um, And we're pulling back from the countryside and just going to focus on the cities. I think we're telling the Taliban, look, you can have the country, do it whether you want, but if you allow any terrorist attacks to come out of here, we're coming back hard. I'll bet that's the negotiation. Yeah, I'll bet it is. This Afghan vet says, how about my policy? We get the hell out and you can do what you want with your crap whole country. Even a whiff of you threatening the Western world and you get mushroom clouds. I'll bet that's close to what we're saying. Yeah, the agree. idea of uh, what George Bush was saying 15 years ago of all girls are going to learn to read and you're going to have shopping centers and swimming pools and movie stars. That's uh, That ain't going to happen. Another military guy made the point that one of the big problems with our strategy was a complete disconnect from their culture. He means Iraq, too. We made an assumption that everyone has the same nationalism as we do. In the Muslim world, they don't necessarily identify as Iraqi, for example, but as a Muslim first. Sunni versus Shia strife, he mentions. And he says Afghanistan is even worse. It didn't really have a central government because it's made up of many, many tribes and ethnic groups. Then he goes into some detail on it. The Afghans have zero loyalty to any central government. They only care what their tribal elder, who's similar to a boss of a crime syndicate, wants. Why would they? It would be stupid. You'd be um, you'd be not doing a good job of raising your family if you lived out in the middle of nowhere of Afghanistan and you were concerned with the what the federal government in Kabul was doing. Right, right. Um, 
The society's tribal always has been. It was pompous and arrogant or just plain ignorant to think we were going to impose some form of democratic central government upon culturally and ethnically diverse tribal peoples. Unless you want to put three million troops in there and spend unlimited money, it'd be impossible. Yeah. Which a lot of us have been saying for like dozens of a dozen plus years. And then taxpayers, the few, the proud. Um, oh, that's where we do the great stuff from Laura Logan, and we're right. hoping to do a podcast with her soon. We are, indeed. If you could see firsthand how something as simple as our supply system hemorrhages unnecessary money due to mandatory contracting requirements, you'd probably be even more horrified, especially when the result is slow delivery and often lack of availability of needed supplies, et cetera, et cetera. Well, remember Laura Logan talking about how uh, for years she was able to drive from the airport into town. Now right. she has to be helicoptered in. That's how much worse that the security is. Yeah. In Kabul, that's one of the areas we in theory have under right. control right. let alone all, all the 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 hinterlands that we're supposedly trying to uh, protect and how however many billion dollars have been spent on roads that are now impassable right that we taxpayers paid for while our own roads are crap how about we fix my roads they at least would have stayed fixed mm. so anyway yeah thanks for that i hope something is changing over there for the at love least, of all that is holy at least multiple empires throughout world history haven't disintegrated by doing this very same thing it's a good point so, Graveyard of Empires, etc. Uh, Michael, how much time do we have before we launch into everybody's favorite feature? Uh, 30 seconds. Final thoughts. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to tease this. We're going to talk about this tomorrow. Uh, this is really quite an extraordinary email I have in my hands from a member of the Bay Area Rapid Transit Board of Directors calling out fellow directors on some terrible dangerous and ill-conceived legislation that is sneaking its way through the corrupt California legislature and uh, and entering a nightmare near you soon. Uh, and this dissenting board member is saying some strong stuff. Uh, really good, and we'll, we'll get to that tomorrow if humanly possible. So practically a whistleblower? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, well, yeah, a strong dissenter saying not only is this a bad idea, it's a nightmare of an idea. Final thoughts with A and G. Yeah! Love it. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Wow. Final thoughts from everybody. That's what we do here, huh? Put a little wrapper on the show. It's Marshall Phillips with a final thought. Marsh? Well, I'm off to get a second opinion dealing with my Armstrong and Getty show sports-related injury. Nothing to do with the show. Brought on by my 10 push-ups in a row. We'll see what they say after they give me an ultrasound. Positive Sean, do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, people are now hiring video game coaches for their children with the anticipation of perhaps getting a video game scholarship. I'm just letting the Armstrong and Getty audience know my services are at your disposal. There you go. Uh, Michelangelo, do you have a final thought? Yeah, today Apple became the first trillion-dollar company, but there's still lots of us out here enjoying our Blackberries and Zunes, and if you're one of them, chat with me at Michelangelo at MySpace or look for me in AOL chat. Fantastic. Jack, do you have a final thought you'd like to share? Uh, how do I want it to be bright or dark? Uh, oh, I guess I'll go with it. Uh, looks like I'm going to get to see my brother this week, and he's back from the Middle East, and I asked him how things were over there, and he used the same expression this Afghan vet did. He said, still a crap hole. Mm. So, crap uh, hole countries, uh, eh? Yeah. That's an interesting term. Uh, wait a second. It flitted out of my head. Wait a minute. I had it ready. For God's sake, I had a final thought ready. Somebody hit me. Uh-oh. 
Somebody hit me. I was up way too late last night. You want to know why? I was watching Mythbusters with my little girl. Which was home from college. Which myths got busted? It's the Shark Week Mythbusters. Because ah. as we were watching the crappy new Shark Week shows, she kept talking about the great Mythbusters episode that was way more scientifically sound than these shows and blah, blah, blah. And so it, we, it took a while, but we dialed it up on the interwebs and watched it together. So, so sharks can't talk? Some <laughs> can. The more talkative ones can. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Oh, I now I remember what it was. It was going to be about the poem in The Nation that oh. they apologized for. Then they had to apologize for the apology. And I'd like to apologize for talking about it. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. we got some good clicks there for you. Armstrongandgetty.com. We bought it from a guy who was squatting on it. So that's now our website. Armstrongandgetty.com. Squatting on it. Why do you say that? That's a Dwayne Kuyper thing. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. You know, if you go out and you want to buy groceries, you need ID. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.